Turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. The Lord willing, this, this evening, we want to speak on the subject, the three homes of Ephesians 5. The three homes of Ephesians 5. I wish you would study your Bible that chapter this afternoon and see if you can name what those three homes are. The three homes of Ephesians 5. What are these homes? How do you make each one a happy home? Now, the passage this morning begins in Ephesians 6, verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Now those few verses say so much to us concerning service as a Christian. In Ephesians 5 and 6, Paul, under the impression of the Holy Spirit, has outlined how a Spirit-filled person relates to life. Beginning in Ephesians 5.18, he said, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he gives a list of how the Spirit-filled person will live and react. He says in verse 19, the Spirit-filled person will speak to himself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. In other words, there'll be a song in the soul. Used to be a little chorus said, it's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my heart. There's singing and laughter since Jesus made me whole. Folks don't understand it, nor can I keep it quiet. It's bubbling, 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 bubbling day and night. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit abides in your heart. There'll be a song in your heart, and you'll come out. And it'll be a special kind of song, a song that will honor Jesus. Secondly, we'll be thankful, giving thanks always. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. A Spirit-filled Christian is going to be a thankful Christian. He's not going to be grumpy and take everything for granted and think the world owes him a living, but he'll be grateful for anything, the least thing that anybody does for him. He'll be grateful. Thirdly, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Spirit-filled believer is going to be a humble person. Submitting ourselves one to another. Each of us has a particular role to follow. No one has the right to lord it over anybody else. We're all part of the economy of God, and God has a place for everyone, and we have an important role to place, 
to, to serve and we need to submit ourselves in that role. Then in verse 22 and 23 and 24, it talks about the spirit-filled wife. A few weeks ago, we preached on this. Wives, submit yourself to your own husband. Now, this is a spirit-filled wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, so the husband is the head of the wife. And then in verse 25, he says, husband, if you're spirit-filled, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word and so on. Now in chapter 6, verse 1, he says, children, children that are spirit-filled, obey your parents in the Lord. This is speaking to Christian families. God never intended that a young person be in rebellion against his mom and dad. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. If you feel that spirit of rebellion come up, take it to Jesus. Part of growing up is a desire to be an adult, be in command, be in charge of things, but there's time for that later on. If you're a Christian and you're a teenager and you fear that rebellion coming up like the sap in a tree and you want to have your own way and do your own thing and tell your parents to go fly a kite, just go along and pray and say, now, Lord, how do you want me to do with this? What is your will about this? I read in the Bible, children obey your parents in the Lord. Spirit-filled children will do that. It's an awful thing to go through rebellion, open rebellion, and then have to come back later in the years ahead to say, I was sorry, I, boy, I really blew it when I was a teenager. I messed it all up. Best thing to do is while you're a teenager, filled with the Spirit, just behave like God wants then. And then he says, in verse 4, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. If you're a Spirit-filled father, God don't want you to provoke your children to wrath and addle them and keep after them all the time and and so on until they get so beside themselves and so frustrated they do crazy things. It's really your fault. And then you discipline them for that. Spirit-filled fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Verse 5 now. And this is where we are today. Servants, be obedient unto them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto the Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Now, in the secular world, the closest we can come to that today is the employer and employee relationship. Because we don't have slaves today. In the New Testament time, they did. But today we have servants who are employed, employees. Their masters are the employers. In a little while, that same passage, he talks to the masters. But right now, he's talking to the servants. Now, I want to lift that a little bit out of context and apply it to every one of us because he makes this phrase, as servants of Christ. And I have three things I want to lay on your heart this morning. Number one, as servants of Christ. Number two, doing the will of God. Number three, from the heart. Now, God intends us to recognize who we are. 
We're not in charge of anything. We're servants. We are stewards of the manifold grace of God. We're not even in charge of the car we have or the house we live in unless we recognize that we're tenants. You may say, well, I paid my hard-earned money for that car and for that house and for these clothes I wear, I'll do as I please. Where'd you get the money to do that with? Where'd you get the energy and the strength to earn that money? It all goes back to God. And we're stewards and we're servants. That's very important that we recognize that we're servants of Christ. In order to be a servant of Christ, a person has to be born again. There's a sense in which all of us are under God. We're made in His image. We were created by God. God gave to men and women the privilege of procreation, cooperating with God and bringing the next generation into the world and the next and the next and so on. But in this particular passage, he's speaking of Christians. He's talking about believers as the servants of Christ. So in order to be a servant of Christ, you have to be saved. Not everyone to whom I speak this morning is really a servant of Christ. Some are servants to self. Some are servants to their lower base nature. Some are servants to the world, the flesh and the devil. Some are servants to drink. Some are servants to lust. But he's speaking here to servants of Christ. If you've been born again, if you've been born into the family of God, you're God's child in a special way. And so you are the servant of Christ. Now as a servant of Christ, remember that he's in charge. And a servant is to do the bidding of his master. And he says, as a servant, we're not masters, we're the servants. And we need to seek a place to serve. You say, well, where can I serve? You know there are a lot of lonely people in the world that need our friendship. You just think of the lonely people all around Bowling Green and Warren County. We don't have anybody that cares about them. They look on their right hand and their left and refuge fails them. Nobody cares. Several months ago, there was a man in the hospital. I won't tell his name, but I'd go see him every day. He, he was drawn up with arthritis. His legs had been amputated. He couldn't talk. The nurses would tell me that he could understand, but he couldn't respond at all. I asked the nurse one day, I went to see him nearly every day. I just discovered him by accident. I asked the nurse one day, does his family come? He said, he said, they never come. Family never comes to see him. He has no friends. Nobody ever comes in this room except the nurses and the doctor once in a while. He couldn't respond. I'd go in and read him the Bible and pray with him almost every day. And then he was taken in death. And I just thought of the scores of people around our town that are lonely. As servants of Christ, we need to minister to these. As servants of Christ, we need to find people who have needs and minister to them where they are. Folks that have been trodden under 
by economic problems. They don't wear the same kind of clothes that you wear. They don't have the same economic background that we have. And I think of some who are wealthy, who have all the money heart could desire. They're still lonely. They need, they have needs. I think of folks who have been done in by the drug traffic and by the liquor traffic. There are people that we need to minister to. I think of children, precious children, the generations that are to come, all those things that are bound up in the children. Years ago, we built what is called the children's wing with the idea that the temple of God should be open to the children. And on the day we dedicated that building, Someone sang, open the doors of the temple and let the children come in. A children's ministry, reaching boys and girls, helping them to have a happy time in the house of God, and then helping them to understand how Jesus could be their lifelong companion and their friend as servants of Christ. That's what we are. And then secondly, doing the will of God. The will of God is a wonderful theme that runs throughout the scripture. Jim Elliott used to say, the will of God is always bigger than you bargain for. Dr. George W. Truitt used to say, to seek the will of God is life's greatest quest. To find the will of God is life's greatest discovery. To follow the will of God is life's greatest pilgrimage. Jesus said, I have come to do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And over and over again, we read about the will of God, God's plan. I seek the will of my Father, Jesus said. Well, what is the will of God, God's plan? Well, in order for us to understand that the will of God is not some hard thing to understand, it's not some mystery or something, you think of some friend of yours, or maybe your mother or daddy, grandfather, grandmother, who has died and left a will. If that will was written adequately and when the person was in his sound mind, that person wrote in the will what his plan was, what his desire was after he left. That the land be distributed thus way, that the house be given, that different personal articles be given, that any money in the bank which should be given to this person or this person. That was his will. Now, if you're going to find the will of God, you have to dig into the Scripture and find out what God says. The will of God is some, not some mysterious thing. It's very clear, very plain. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, brethren, that that you present your, your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? I'm talking to servants of Christ. I'm talking to people who are believers, saved people. If you know Christ lives in your heart, you will know the will of God, then first of all, present your body to Him. 
You say, well, I thought he wanted my heart. Well, really, God doesn't want your old heart. He gives you a new heart. He comes in and changes you on the inside. If you've been changed, you're a servant of Christ. Now, what does he want? He says, give me your body. I present, present your body, your ears, your eyes, your tongue, your feet, your hands, your comely parts, your uncomely parts. Place them on the altar. Make them available to me. Be not conformed to this world. Don't masquerade as a worldling. That is, don't dress like them, don't look like them, don't smell like them, don't walk like them, don't be like them, don't go to the same amusements they go to. Be not conformed to this world. Quit masquerading like that. Sometimes at Halloween, people dress up like something they're not. They put on a false face and they'll go out like a dragon or some kind of lion or something like that. And, and this scripture says, as a Christian, you're not to go about life like that. Act like a believer if you're saved if you're really God's child. Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The best way I know how to find the will of God for a person's life is to encourage you to be a soul winner. I don't know anything that will help you to discover more about God's plan for you than for you to get involved in trying to win other people to Jesus. And when you do that, God's Holy Spirit begins to use you and he magnifies in your life all those wonderful things that you have to depend upon the Holy Spirit for. And the Holy Spirit begins to remind you, yes, I want you in this and this and this to do this and this. I, I know a Christian attorney who found the will of God for his life by being a soul winner. God didn't call him to preach. He didn't call him to go and be a missionary. God called him to be an attorney. He said, I learned that by going out and trying to win people to Christ and God began to place on my heart the plight of people, believers, who were burdened under the law, under legalism. I don't care what God's calling you to do. God can reveal it to you if you will let your life be given to him. God will show you his wonderful will, his purpose, his plan. Well, God also tells us clearly in his word some other things. Turn your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> for this is the will of God, verse 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of sensuality, even as the Gentiles who know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned and testified. For God hath not called us to uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who also hath given unto us his Holy Spirit. So the will of God here is our sanctification, that is being set apart by God 
every boy and girl here, every teenager, every adult, every young married person, all of us, God's plan, God's will is that we set ourselves apart to Him, that our body be holy, yielded to Him, that we be walking in the will of God, not in the lust of sensuality. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants every believer to know that his big concern is about a lost world, a world that hates God, doesn't know anything about God, and we have the joy and honor of going in Jesus' name to bring them to Christ. As servants of Christ, are you really God's servant? Have you been saved? Doing the will of God, what is God's will for you? What is God's blueprint? God has a plan for you, a wonderful blueprint. <clears throat> when we were ready to build this auditorium, uh, this auditorium is patterned after a church named Chessie Chase Baptist Church in Lexington. And we went there and examined everything about that building. We made some different, a lot of big changes. But we borrowed their blueprints and uh, somewhat patterned the blueprints from this building after that building. And then we had the pattern, the plan we were going to use. Now, God has a blueprint for your life. Every life here has a plan. God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. And it is His will that you find out His will. If after you're saved, day by day, say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to do? <clears throat> what is your plan for my life? What is your blueprint for my life? And remember the words of Jim Elliot, the will of God is always bigger than you bargain for. You put your life in the hand of God, God begins to carry you along and use you. And when you stand back down at the end of life's years and you look back, if you've walked in the will of God, you can say to yourself, I never dreamed that all those things could be done. Never dreamed it. But Jesus led me all the way. He'll do that for you. I think there are not very many people here who have walked in the will of God who have not found that at the end of the course, or as they've looked back, they've been able to say, Jesus led me all the way, and he made, made not one mistake. Last of all, from the heart. As servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, it's possible to do things mechanically, just go through the motions. You know, it's possible for us to meet here every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. And back years ago, we used to give Sunday school uh, buttons and pins. And sometimes we'd get pins that just go all the way down your, clear almost, almost to your ankles. It would be possible to be in Sunday school every Sunday, be in church every Sunday, go through it all, and do it mechanically. And never really enjoy it. It's all just, well, here it is again, Sunday, and we go through the motions of it. But this scripture says, as servants of Christ, we're to do it from the heart. Everybody must have his heart in it. A while ago we sang... I am pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I wonder if that was just a song or if we meant it. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know it's the spirit of the Lord. Did you enjoy singing that? 
When Dr. Hong sang a while ago, and Mrs. Hong, about that wonderful truth, did it mean something to us? Did we enter into it? We say, well, that's just a song. When are we going to get finished singing so we can hear the preaching, get through preaching so we can hurry up and go home and eat? <laughs> you see, we need to do the will of God from the heart. If you teach school, teach it from the heart. If God has put you in a factory, do your very best as unto the Lord, not as uh, uh, men pleasers, not people that would just punch the clock. Well, here I have to go at 7 o'clock, punch in. I have to stay till 4 o'clock, punch out. <clears throat> I'm glad that's over. But every hour given in that factory needs to be given as unto the Lord because you're a servant of Christ in that factory. You're a servant of Christ as a doctor, a physician, a nurse, wherever you are, doing it from the heart. And I want to tell you that makes the big difference. I was uh, been visiting a man named John up at the hospital who was stabbed a few weeks ago, and his parents were telling me about how kind some of the nurses are. But he said there's one nurse that comes on duty, and she's always mad, mad the world, and she'll come in and she'll say, "Help yourself, do this, do that, do that," and just commands go out of her mouth and so on. Well, she gets the job done, but there's no joy in it at all. <laughs> and the daddy told me the other day, he said, I told that woman she ought to try different professions. She's probably in the wrong work. She's not happy in it. We need to do the will of God from the heart. Are you happy in what you're doing? Are you joy-filled in what you're doing? Are you able to do it as unto the Lord? Or has all the joy gone out? Now this scripture says, when you're doing the will of God, do it from your heart. Paul said one day, I preach the gospel. Woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. But if I preach it and don't want to do it, it's a burden. But if I preach it and want to do it, it's a joy. Now, beloved, are you doing what you're doing because you like to do it? Or are you out of the will of God? I think there's some people that go through all of their life and they're never in the will of God. They never are accomplishing the thing God planned for you because you're not in the will of God. God has a blueprint. Discover what it is and do it as unto the Lord. And there will be joy, wonderful joy in your heart. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in this service. We ask that the Holy Spirit of God would move across every heartstring. And Father, help us to earnestly seek, what would you have me to do? What is your plan? What is your will for my life? We pray that someone without Christ will turn to Jesus. This will be a day of response to the will of God. Someone here with, who has been saved but has never confessed it openly, may they come to thee. Have thine own way today. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Turn to page 385, please. I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me.